Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from our guest speaker. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. I tell you, how many of y'all were here yesterday for the marriage? Great, good deal. And uh, how many of you are still married? All right, good deal. We're glad you're here. And um, we're going to be blessed today as Clayton continues to teach uh, from God's Word. Clayton is just a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's one of those friends that if I had to unload on somebody, he'd be one of the first ones I would call. Um, we, I, I, I love getting texts from him when he tells me when God does something big and, and it just encourages my faith. And, uh, and we, we, we just stay in touch. Um, and I appreciate the integrity of his ministry. I appreciate the integrity of his life and, I'm, and the integrity that's in his family because I know his family. And so they live it. And I'm very thankful for that. But he's in that role where he literally goes around the world sharing the gospel and God is faithful. God brings people. Uh, and we as a body of believers have the privilege of praying for Clayton and the ministry that he is leading. And so I want us to take an opportunity before he preaches that we as a body pray for Clayton and, and Shari and the kids and, and just pray for the ministry and the people. I mean, uh, their youth camp, it filled up in a couple weeks, right? Just filled right up. And our kids go, our young people go there. Um, and it's, God's just blessing it in a big way. So Clayton, let me pray for you and pray God's blessing on you. <clears throat> Father, uh, we thank you for a dear brother. I just thank you for Clayton's friendship, uh, what he means to me personally. And, uh, and I lift up the Clayton King ministry to you. I pray that you will expand it. You'll expand their territory. You'll expand uh, the lives that are touched. I pray that at the camps this summer, they'll just see hundreds, if not thousands of kids saved. I pray for every speaking engagement that he has as he travels, keeping safe in his travels. And I pray that you'll just continue uh, to allow your word to change people's lives with the gospel of Jesus. And, uh, and, as, and as Jacob uh, begins to have his ministry and his preaching and you have given him the gift of the evangelist that you will bless him and continue to use him in a mighty way. So thank you. Keep him healthy. Watch over him and his marriage and his family. We pray this and trust this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I love you. Praise God. Hey, can we thank God for Pastor Don Brock? Just... The, the gold standard, the gold standard in ministry. Um, I, I love you so much, Don. I thank you for your voice in my life. Thank you for buying me a steak last night. Um, thank you for just being awesome. It's great to be back at Gateway. I was thinking back this morning early when I woke up at the hotel. I, I've been preaching at Gateway since the 1900s. Can you believe that? I actually met a, a mom out in the lobby who said that her children, I guess, 
were in the student ministry when I first came here back in, I don't know, 97 or 98 or whenever it was, and her children are now in their mid-30s. And so I've got a long history here. It's really great to be back. We had a great day at the marriage conference yesterday. Uh, so thankful for that. My wife was with me yesterday, and then as soon as the conference was over, she had to drive home to Anderson to pick up our son, and then they went to Atlanta to celebrate her grandmother's 100th birthday. Her grandma turned 100 this past week. And uh, so I, she sent me some pictures this morning of that birthday. And my wife was like, you know, I'm gonna live to be 100. You better take care of yourself so you'll live to be 100 too. I was like, I don't even know if I wanna be 100. But whatever God wants, that's what I want, amen. Speaking of long, uh, long periods of time, how many of you have been married now for, well, let's just see the, the hands of the married people. Can I see the... All the, all the married folks, okay. Keep your hands up if you've been married for more than 30 years. Keep them up if you've been married for more than 40. Keep them up if you've been married for more than 50 years. Praise God. What an honor. What a joy. Uh, this weekend, we were able to talk about marriage at the conference, and we had such a good time. I want to continue that theme and that idea uh, today on the message, but before I do, uh, just to kind of give you a heads up about who I am, because some of y'all have no idea who I am. I live in Anderson, home of the Jockey Lot. Has anybody been to the Jockey Lot? It's still one of the only places where you can get tube socks, baby goats, a squirrel, and a pipe wrench at the same place. I kid you not. Um, I live up there. I'm a teaching pastor at New Spring Church. I have a ministry that my wife and I started 29 years ago called Crossroads, and we have summer camps and student conferences, marriage conferences, a radio ministry with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Uh, we have 15 speakers and teachers that travel and preach and speak, and um, and our summer camp this summer is the biggest one we've ever had, and your students are gonna be there again. We have 6,500 teenagers coming to our camp this summer at Anderson University. So say a prayer for us. Uh, my boys are 21 and 18. My 18-year-old is a senior at T.L. Hannah. Um, Dutch Fork is our arch rival. Dutch Fork beats us every single year in the uh, upper state playoffs, uh, but I'm not bitter in the least. Um, my son Jacob is 21. He's a junior at Anderson University, and God has called him to preach, and he travels and preaches all over America. And then my lovely bride and I are about to celebrate 25 years of marriage. Uh, she's a Georgia girl, and uh, some of y'all wanted to clap. You can go ahead and clap. 25 years, a quarter of a century, and we're doing great. Uh, she's getting her Master's of Divinity right now at Anderson University, and she writes books, and she speaks at women's conferences and marriage conferences, and she's just the best thing in the world. Also, a couple things about me. I drive a black Ford F-250 because I'm a Christian. I drink black coffee because that's what Jesus drinks, and I'm about to make a Super Bowl prediction for tonight. You ready? Some of y'all don't care. Um, as long as Taylor Swift doesn't win, I'm fine. <laughs> I just don't want Taylor Swift to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I believe in miracles, and I'm gonna make a prediction right now because I believe in miracles. I'm calling it right now. The Dallas Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl tonight. <laughs> That's my prediction. I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan. It's been a difficult 28 years. 
Um, hey, when the service is over today, um, I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to meet you. I'm a big extrovert. I like to shake people's hands and say hello. I've also got some resources out there for you as a married couple or as a single person. Uh, I have three books available on the table. I've got a book called Reborn. It's my favorite book I've ever written. It's about Jesus and how he changes people. And then my wife and I wrote a book called True Love Project, which is about relationships and the way humans interact with each other and about marriage and dating and purity and forgiveness and even the physical differences between men and women and how God wired us and created us for relationships. And so those are available out there at the table and you can pay whatever you wanna pay. They're $20 if you buy them uh, usually in a store, but you can pay whatever you wanna pay. We have a heart to get good resources into the hands of people that wanna grow spiritually. And I'll be out there to say hello before uh, you guys head home today. All right, y'all ready for a message? I got about two and a half or three hours to preach this and finish it up. I promise I won't go that long. We're gonna be in Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapter five. I'm gonna read about 11 verses to you from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. I wanna go ahead and read this to you and set up the message. I'm gonna give you four essential questions for your marriage. Four questions I want us to ask today. The best marriages ask the best questions. It's one of the things I believe about marriage, that in a marriage, you're always asking each other questions because in marriage, oftentimes, it boils down to you're always having to fight for clarity. Like, what's your schedule this week? And what time are you coming home? And what are we doing for dinner? And who's picking up the kids? And did you get a babysitter? And have we paid our taxes? And did you automate this bill? And did you take the cardboard to recycling? Because we love Amazon and we wanna, you know, I mean, there's always this constant communication where we have to keep asking questions to clarify, to get on the same page. And I believe that's what God wants for your marriage. If you're not married today, I wanna make sure I say this from the very beginning. If you're not married, I want you to hear this, that in the church, when we emphasize marriage as we should, and we should never compromise on emphasizing the importance of marriage, but oftentimes we fail to emphasize the blessing of being single. And being single is a gift. It's a gift from God. And the Apostle Paul even says in his letter to the Corinthians, I wish all of you were unmarried just like me so that you could be totally devoted to the Lord and his work. So marriage is a blessing and a gift from God, but marriage is not the ultimate experience in life. The ultimate experience in life, according to Jesus, is knowing Christ John 17, three, and making him known. So you can know Jesus as a married person, as a divorced person, as a single person, as a widow or a widower. But today we're gonna talk about these four essential questions that I think help us in our marriage no matter what stage you're in. Um, how many of you would consider yourselves still newlyweds? Let me just ask, if you've been married for less than two years, can I see your hands if you've been married for less than two years? Okay, a handful of people, praise God. Some days I feel like I've been married for two years. Some days I feel like I've been married for 202 years. Can anybody relate to that? But the good thing about marriage is when your marriage is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you're not doing it alone. Ephesians chapter five, Paul writes these words beginning in verse 22, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, verse 33. Verses will be on the screens or you can look along in your copy of God's word. He says this, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, 
He, Jesus, is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Jesus did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Since we are members of his body. And then Paul quotes Genesis chapter two, chapter three, the creation narrative, when he writes, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect the husband. So the Apostle Paul is giving some practical and some theological advice here to husbands and wives, but he frames all of this, and don't miss it, he frames the concept of human marriage into a greater picture of the marriage between, and this is a beautiful mystery, the resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the people of God, his church. Jesus is married to the church, and your marriage as a husband and a wife is a reflection of the marriage between Jesus and his people. Oh, and by the way, if you're a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, you belong to Jesus like a bride belongs to her husband, like a husband belongs to her bride. If you, belong, if you belong to Jesus, this passage of scripture is for you way more than just practical marriage advice. It is also deep, rich, spiritual nourishment to your soul. And I want you to see that as we read this scripture because Paul is, is drawing a parallel here. He says that just like a, a bride on her wedding day, some of y'all can remember your wedding day. I got married on May 1st. 1999 at the Green River Plantation in Rutherfordton, North Carolina. And it was the most beautiful, amazing day of my life. And I can remember when Shari walked out of that old Southern house and she comes out on, from, from the steps of that porch and I can remember my knees buckling. I got sweaty. I started crying. I'm, I'm the crier in my marriage. I just want y'all to know that. I'm six foot three. I kill deer and eat them for nourishment, and I cry more than my wife. So men, it's okay to cry, all right? I can remember how pure and spotless and holy that moment was when I saw my wife. And in Ephesians 5, Paul has given us, you and me, a view of what's gonna happen at the end of days. 
Because Jesus is coming back and he can come back today for all I care. I'd be happy if Jesus came back before this service was over. I'm ready for heaven. But when Jesus comes back, he is coming back to get us. Like a, like a groom would go get a bride on their wedding day in the days of the Bible, Jesus is that groom, that husband, that will come and take his bride, the church, and we will spend eternity with Jesus forever and ever and ever in the new heaven and the new earth in the kingdom of God. He'll be our God, we'll be his people, and when we get to heaven, you won't be married to your spouse anymore. Your spouse will be your brother or your sister in Christ in heaven. But until then, your marriage and my marriage has this crazy ability to reflect to the world around us that Jesus Christ is real, that he has risen from the dead, that two terrible, horrible, rotten, selfish, egotistical sinners like you and your spouse, like me and my wife, can come together in the miraculous power of the resurrected Jesus and we can become one flesh submitting to each other, respecting each other, loving each other, protecting each other. We can do all of that through the power of Jesus and the world around us sees us and goes, what in the world is different about them? And this will blow your mind. If you were here yesterday, you've already heard this statistic. So before I ask you these four essential questions and we'll go through them fairly quickly, I wanna just let you know that data and science are now picking up on what I've known and what you've known to be true forever from the scripture. That if you just do things God's way, if you just put Jesus first and you make him primary in your life, in your work, in your home, in your marriage, at your job, raising your kids, if you put Jesus first, it's better for you. It is. You're happier, you're holier, you're more fulfilled. The number one indicator of overall happiness at the end of a person's life is one thing, their relationships. More than money, more than success, more than achievements, more than career, relationships. Number one indicator of overall happiness in life. You wanna know the number one key to a happy marriage relationship? It's God. The statistics have proven this. In America right now, blew my mind when I read this. In America right now, if you get married in 2024, you have a one out of two chance to be divorced. The statistics say that 50% of all marriages will eventually end in divorce in America right now. One out of two. When you include these three factors, when you include praying together as a married couple, when you include going to church together as a married couple, and when you include talking about spiritual things together as a married couple, when you include those three elements to the mix, the divorce rate goes from one out of two to one out of 1,135. So if you want your marriage to thrive, if you want your marriage to be filled with happiness and joy, if you want your marriage to, to weather the tough times, to make it through the difficult seasons, if you want your marriage to really make it, then pray together, read the Bible together, go to church together. In other words, put Jesus in the center and make Jesus the foundation. I'm gonna ask you four questions, and I hope that these will be questions that you'll talk about today. I'm gonna get you out of here early. I preach way shorter than Pastor Don. 
Uh, maybe. I did in the first service. I finished actually right on time in the first service. No, no promises in the second one. Um, but as you guys leave and go home today, as you go eat lunch today, as you drive back to your house today, I hope that the two of you as a married couple will ask and talk about these four questions. Number one, what is your purpose? Not as an individual, but as a married couple. What is your purpose in your marriage? What is the purpose of your marriage? In other words, why did you get married in the first place? Now, there's all kind of reasons for that. I mean, Shari and I got married for lots of reasons. I, I loved her the first time I laid eyes on her. I literally, I told this story yesterday. I saw her at Chapel Hill. I was preaching to 3,500 college students, and I saw her in the audience, and I said, Jesus, I want that one right there. And he heard my prayer, and he gave her to me, and he gave me to her. We got married because we both loved the Lord. We got married because... Um, we wanted to spend our lives together. We both wanted to have a family. Uh, we, I, I married her because she was beautiful and she took my breath away. I respected her as a woman of God. But ultimately, what is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is not primarily to make you and me happy. Happiness is a good thing. But if you aim for happiness in your marriage and that's the only purpose for you being married, then what happens when your spouse doesn't make you happy? Or what happens when they make you unhappy? Or let's get real, real today. What happens when they make you mad? What happens when they contradict you? What happens when they forget the thing that y'all were supposed to do? What happens when they really upset you? I know none of y'all in here ever fight with your spouse, but me and Shari fight sometimes. And I learned quickly after we got married that she wasn't perfect, and she knew that about me almost immediately too. Remember when y'all were dating? Do you remember? Anybody remember back when you were dating? For some of y'all, you have to go ancient history right there, don't you? You remember when you were dating and you were so in love with your spouse and you were like, he's perfect. He's so good looking. He smells so good. He's so handsome. Remember when you first fell in love with your, with your girlfriend and, and she was so beautiful and, and man, you're, you're getting ready, you're spending money, you're taking her out to eat, you're getting dressed up, you're tucking in your shirt and wearing a collar and shaving and putting product in your hair, wash your car to go out. Remember when you first fall in love and you think your spouse is just perfect and then you go on the honeymoon and everything's great and you come home and it doesn't take too long to realize not only is my spouse not perfect, but neither am I. I heard one preacher say it this way. Remember that your spouse was such a terrible sinner that Jesus had to die on the cross to keep them out of hell. And the same is true for me too, right? So if your purpose to get married is self-fulfillment, you're gonna be disappointed. If your purpose is, I want my wife to fulfill my needs, Forget it. If your purpose in marriage is, I just want my husband to totally understand me and get me all the time, not happening. Some of y'all women are like, amen. <laughs> if the purpose of marriage is we wanna have children, that's a good purpose, but it's not the primary purpose. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God in the relationship with your spouse and to reflect the power of the gospel to the world that's watching us. That's the purpose. To submit to one another, to respect one another, to love each other, to care for each other. We do that in the same way that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. And your marriage 
is the most powerful biblical symbol as a married couple. If you're married, it's the most powerful biblical imagery of the love that Jesus had for the church that you'll ever find or experience. Well, the second question is this. So what is your plan? Because it's good to know the purpose of marriage, but what is the plan that you have as a couple to actually honor Jesus in your marriage? And if you've been married a week or if you've been married for 50 years, I think it's so crucial that we always ask this question. How are we doing right now in our plan to honor God in our marriage, to raise up our children and our grandchildren and maybe even our great-grandchildren, to be a witness to the people in our neighborhood, to be that couple in our cul-de-sac or our development, to be that, that couple at work that when everybody else is yelling and screaming and their lives are falling apart, we struggle with the same things, but we, instead of running away from each other, we run to each other together as one flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's your plan? One of the things that Shari and I have learned in our marriage is that in order for us to stay on the same page, we have to talk a lot. We have to talk about what our plans are. The biggest fights we've ever had in our marriage are almost always fights about me not communicating to her what my plans are, or vice versa, me swearing on a stack of Bibles that she never communicated to me what the plan was for this week, but then she can go back and show me the text message or the email that she sent me to prove to me that she did communicate the, the plan. <laughs> so Shari and I, because we're in ministry together and because we're just married people, we're just plain ordinary married people, we've learned that our plan for marriage is bigger than just our plans for 2024. Anybody remember 2020? I know you tried to forget it. Anybody remember that year? In January of 2020, all these churches, all these pastors, all of these organizations were rolling out Vision 2020 statements. And in January of 2020, our ministry, not, not my church, but our nonprofit ministry, Crossroads, we were looking at some property. We were gonna buy some property and build a ministry retreat center there. In February of 2020, we raised all the money to pay cash for 17 acres. Literally just a stone's throw from my house. Did not belong to me personally, belonged to our ministry. These donors gave some money, we bought the property. We had a ribbon cutting ceremony, we took pictures, we made videos. That was February of 2020. Anybody remember what happened in March of 2020? Starts with C and ends with Ovid. And all of our plans went out the window. Here's the good thing about a Christian marriage. When Jesus Christ is the center of your relationship, you can make plans. Those plans will always change. But if you're anchored in Jesus Christ as a couple and as a family, Jesus will always have the plan that supersedes your plans. Jesus will always have an assignment for you. Jesus will always get you through those difficult times. Listen, in the last four years, I didn't even say this in the first service. In the last four years, me, my wife, and our two boys have had eight major surgeries. Eight both of my boys have had two knee surgeries apiece. 
If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you know that in November, my two boys had knee surgeries the same week. One ACL, one meniscus. My health insurance company just loves us. Uh, my gallbladder died on me, then my wife had a hysterectomy, then my appendix burst, then a year later, my wife's appendix burst. That was a year ago this past week. She died in my arms. I have learned that I make plans, but I'm always submitted to God's ultimate plan. He always has a plan if we're submitted to him together as a couple. Now, the, th the third question I wanna ask you, what is your pace what is your pace? When Paul writes these words to the church in Ephesus, this was a church that he was really connected to. Paul spent years in the ancient Turkish city of Ephesus. I've been there twice. I'll be there again this October. He spent years there planting churches and training leaders and pastors. And in the pace of his travels, in the pace of his ministry, he knew right now it's time for me to slow down and really anchor in efforts to disciple and train people here in the city of Ephesus. What's the pace of your relationship in your marriage? I wrote this in my notes. I want you guys to think about this, maybe even write it down. Here's something I've learned. I used to try to achieve balance in my marriage. Anybody ever tried to do that? Well, we just need to find some balance. We need find time. We got piano recitals. We got soccer matches. We got cheerleading competitions. We got travel ball. We've got vacation. We've got work. We've got school. We've got science club. We got beta club. We have national honor society. We're supposed to take a date night. We've got to cut the grass and do the laundry and wash the dishes. And have you ever just gotten to that point where you're like, we just need to balance all of this out. Well, I'm going to set y'all free. You ready for me to liberate y'all today? I'm gonna set y'all free and this is not even a new revelation. Balance is a myth. It's a myth. Balance is a unicorn. It does not exist. Balance is a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl victory in the last 28 years. It does not exist. Balance is a myth. Work instead for alignment and harmony. Balance does not exist. It's a myth, especially depending on the stage of life you're in in your relationship and your family. So instead, work for alignment and harmony. Run the same race at the same pace. And there are seasons when you are running as hard and as fast as you can go. When you and your spouse feel like ships passing in the night, you don't even get to hardly say hello much less kiss each other on the mouth. And I'm a big fan of married people kissing each other on the mouth. Some of y'all are like, ooh, that's gross. No, it's not. Because <laughs> it can lead to other things too, like making out. And married people need to keep making out too, but I'm gonna stop right there and keep it PG, okay? And if you feel like you're in that stage or that season of life where you just can't connect, you can't get on the same page, bring it back to that simple question. Are we running the same race at the same pace? There are other seasons in life when you get to slow down. The empty nest is right around the corner for me and my wife. And I'm scared to death of it. And I know that some of y'all are gonna find me at my book table in the lobby. And I know what y'all are gonna tell me. I, I, we talked about this last night, me and Don and Mary and and Alden and his wife, Deanna, we were talking about this at dinner. And uh, I'm 
probably a C. JoJo goes to college in August and both of our boys will be moved out. I mean, they're never really moved out. They're kind of like a bad check. They always come back home. They always find their way back home. That's what my grandpa used to say, all jokes aside. I'm kind of worried about that. I'm like, what am I gonna do when the boys aren't at home? And all the empty nesters, all the married couples come up to me when I talk about that and they're like, let me tell you what's gonna happen. It's gonna break your heart. You're gonna cry. You're gonna be depressed for a little while. And then all of a sudden, you're gonna be like, they're gone. It's quiet. I can do what I want. And then the couples tell me this, and then Pastor Clayton, what you don't know, but you will experience is the very best thing God ever invented, grandkids. My dad used to say, you know the best thing about your, about your kids, my grandkids? I said, what's that, daddy? Headlights coming and taillights leaving. <laughs> it's important in your marriage to always be group, get, getting back together in that one little group of two, that one flesh combo, you and your spouse, to just sit down and say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? This is what I'm struggling with. This is, this is what I'm bearing right now. This is what I'm afraid of. I need us to adjust our race, adjust our pace. It's okay to have those conversations because ultimately in marriage, we need to ask this question finally. What is your payoff? What's your payoff in your marriage? If your payoff is just to be happy, then you feel like a failure if you can't make your spouse happy or you feel unsatisfied if your spouse doesn't make you happy. That's not the ultimate payoff. If my ultimate payoff in marriage was to have kids and, and send them out into the world, then that means my life is about to be over when my son moves out in August and goes to Anderson University. But that's not the ultimate payoff. So my life is not over when my children leave the house. If your ultimate payoff is to have grandkids, what happens if you do have grandkids, but they turn out to be nothing like what you prayed for? Maybe they don't wanna follow Jesus. Maybe they, maybe they go down a different road. Maybe they get involved in the wrong crowd. God forbid. Our ultimate payoff cannot be anything except the glory of God in our, in our marriage relationships at that final day when you hear Jesus say to you, whether you live to be 100 or whether you die in your 50s, well done good and faithful servant. Welcome into my kingdom. I have prepared a place for you. That's the payoff. And when Paul writes about marriage to the church in Ephesus, Paul wanted every man and woman in a Christian marriage there to understand, your marriage is not just for you. Your marriage is for the people around you who need to see a true representation of the gospel. Your marriage is for the glory of God. Your marriage, like a mirror that reflects your face to you, is a mirror that reflects the gospel to the world and the world needs Jesus. And your marriage is the most effective evangelist there is. That's the payoff. To get to heaven one day and know that you belong to Jesus and to hear him say, come on in. I've been waiting for you. So my prayer for you today is whether you're married or single, you'll see Jesus.
You'll know that he died on the cross for you. You'll know that he loves you. You'll know that he wants to save you. And ultimately right now, if you don't know that you're saved, if you don't have that assurance, if you have doubts, if you lack that confidence, my prayer is in the next three to five minutes before we walk out of this room, you'll nail that down. Would you close your eyes with me and open your hearts? With your eyes closed and your hearts open to the Holy Spirit, I wanna ask you this question right now. Do you know for sure that you belong to Jesus? Are you certain that you're saved? Do you have an assurance that your sins have been pardoned? Do you have confidence that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If you don't, then today the most important thing is not your marriage, the most important thing is your soul. What a tragedy to have a really good marriage all of your life in this world and then die and miss heaven. You don't have to worry, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to doubt, you can know. Whether this is the first time or the 21st time you've prayed, I wanna invite those of you in here that lack the assurance of salvation or you have doubted whether or not you're a Christian or you're just unsettled about it, why not settle it today? Romans 10, 13 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I wanna lead you to a place right now, whether you are a child, a parent, a grandparent, a senior citizen, no matter what age you are. We had 20 people in the first service make a decision for Christ, and almost all of them were adults. It's something I hear every day in my ministry. Grown men and women that are scared to death of where they'll go when they die. I want you to know that you're going to heaven, but more than that, I want you to know Jesus right now because it's the best thing in life. So if you need to have that assurance, pray this to Jesus in your heart, and I'm not making you do it. If you mean it and you truly want Christ to come and live in your heart, and you wanna know for sure that you belong to Jesus and you're saved, pray this to him right now, right where you sit. He's listening. Pray it to him quietly in your heart. Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. So I give you my heart. I invite you in. Please save me, Jesus. I repent of my sin. I receive your mercy. I believe in you. I give you everything. I am all yours, Jesus. And I'm all in. Thank you for the confidence I find in you. I love you, Jesus. Now with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I'm just gonna ask one simple question. I'm looking, but nobody else is. I just wanna know, if you just prayed that prayer to Jesus and you meant it, it was real, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just straight up above your head. Keep them up, please. I want you to raise it high and keep it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 
21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58. You can put your hands down. Can everybody look at me for a second? 58 people in this room just responded to the good news of the gospel. 58. And again, just like the first service, a majority who did were adults. So here's what I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up on their feet right now. Everybody together, come on. Eyes open, we're about to sing. We're gonna have an invitation. Pastor Don is already here at the front. I'm gonna invite some of our staff and some of our counseling team. Would you come right now? Some of our staff and counseling team from Gateway, would you just come up to the front to the altar? Here's how we're gonna respond to Jesus today. Two ways. First of all, I'm gonna invite any married couple that would be willing to just come to the altar. You can stand, you can kneel, and just pray for each other. You don't have to, but you get to. And I'm gonna challenge the men to take the first step. Ask your wife, will you come with me so we can pray together at the altar for our marriage? I think that's a great way to wrap up this weekend. But the second thing I wanna ask is for the 58 of you that just responded to the gospel, I'm gonna ask you while all the couples are coming to pray, I want you to come too. You just gave your life to Jesus, for real. Whether it was salvation, recommitment, the Holy Spirit can help you figure that out, but you want, I want you to come and talk to somebody. Come and find one of these men or women and say, I prayed that prayer with Clayton, what's my next step? I want you to move, I want you to come forward. Now I know what some of y'all are thinking, why do I have to come forward? Look, you don't have to, you don't. But I will tell you this, that when you take a step of faith and you publicly identify yourself as someone that just found confidence in Jesus, maybe even for the very first time, you will shut the mouth of the devil and those lies he tells you about God and about your salvation and about who you are, you will shut his lying mouth when you take a bold step of faith and you come forward to say, I just prayed to receive Christ, I just prayed for assurance, and I am not ashamed of the gospel. So when I say amen to my prayer, married couples, you begin to move, find a spot to pray together. And for the 58 of you that just responded for salvation or recommitment, I'm gonna invite you to come as well. Don't say you can't do it. Yes, you can, because the Holy Spirit gives us boldness in Jesus' name. God, thank you for this amazing day at Gateway. And I thank you for this response that we're about to experience as couples come and pray with each other and as people who have responded to the gospel come and take their next step. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go.